The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. You got Mark Dolly and Carrie Waddell. Good morning, everyone. So I'm calling today's show, Carrie. Are you fed up? With what? Well, a I'm, lot of things, I'm sure we all are. I'm not talking about the winter. Don't worry, Carrie. Spring is on its way. Sunday right? at, what, 11.33 a.m.? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a potential snow showers. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we got some spring this week, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about are you fed up? With our Federal Reserve Chairman, Jerome Powell. She remains well above our longer-run goal of 2%. Supply and demand imbalances related to the pandemic and the reopening of the economy have continued to contribute to elevated levels of inflation. So this was the Fed decision we've all been waiting for, the Ides of March, where it was no surprise that they raised interest rates, 25 basis points, uh, but what we were, what I was listening to or was listening for was what was his comments going to be on this inflation, which is right. now no longer transitory. In particular, bottlenecks and supply constraints are limiting how quickly production can respond to higher demand in the near term. These problems have been larger and longer lasting than anticipated, exacerbated by waves of the virus. While the drivers of higher inflation have been predominantly connected to the dislocations caused by the pandemic, price increases have now spread to a broader range of goods and services. Wages have also risen briskly, and we are attentive to the risks that persistent real wage growth in excess of productivity could put upward pressure on inflation. Hmm. Like most forecasters, we continue to expect inflation to decline over the course of the year. So that's the other thing I was waiting to see is what the new dot plots you know carry that's right. where you take all the consensus of all the central bankers all the fed presidents and they all put in what they think is going to happen with unemployment inflation int- you know the banks i would think there'd be not, not a consensus well it's <laughs> but they take a medium right they, they, no so, but i'm saying i have a feeling they might be all over well there was yeah, well, they are, but you, you try to say they work as a group, as a consensus group. So right, you and say what's the what's average, the medium, ba- right? You know, I've got the medium. We understand that high inflation imposes significant hardship, especially on those least able to meet the high, higher costs of essentials like food, housing, and transportation. In addition, we believe that the best thing we can do to support continued labor market gains is to promote a long expansion. And that will require price stability. We're committed to our price stability goal. We will use our tools both to support the economy and a strong labor market and to prevent higher inflation from becoming entrenched. And we'll be watching carefully to see whether the economy is evolving in line with expectations. The Fed's Monetary Policy Act. Okay, so, and, and, and he also said there, every meeting this year is going to be a live meeting. Meaning that okay. they don't know. I mean, there there was a, and there's a lot of debate on whether they're too far behind the curve, 
and they should have raised rates or they're still now with that consensus that we were just referring to with the Fed chair, the Fed presidents, there was only one, James Bullard, you know, the St. Louis Fed, Carrie. He was the only one dissenter who wasn't happy with only the 25 basis point rate hike. He wanted 50. Mm-hmm. So now the question is, may we get a 50 basis point hike in May? That's the next FOMC right. meeting. And that's where Jerome Powell is saying every meeting is a live meeting. They're going to look at the data. There, a lot can happen between now and May with all the things that are happening in this country. Most, you know, importantly, the in Russian the world, Ukraine. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. As well as how the market reacts to this rate hike. We've got some other data this week. You know, the conflicting data, the, the U.S. retail sales report came in weaker, Carrie, than what they expected. Okay. So, in other words, the U.S. consumer, the the increase or the, the increase was only 0.3%, percent, whereas in the previous month, January, it was over four percent. You know, okay. increase. That's a big decline. So, so are the consumers? Are we? Are we as a group of the U.S. Are we tightening our belts already because of this higher inflation and the higher gas prices and everything? And that says, okay, that's that indicates that we're going to have a slower economy. But then also some good news, the Philly Fed, they do the manufacturing report, and they said there was good news there that U.S. manufacturing is up. So we do have uh, we have some, some people saying the economy is just fine. We have strong economy, strong labor market. Other people are saying, no, this, there's no way that what the we'll look at the dot plots you know the federal reserve is going to be able to navigate the soft landing and we're going to wind up in a u.s recession so so the question is what do you do at home and and what do you protect how do you protect your family or you know the final financial decision that you're trying to make if you do are or if you're in one of those two camps most likely or most importantly if you're in the camp that thinks this higher inflation is entrenched for a while and worst case scenario that we could be in a US recession in the next 12 to 18 months so we've been talking on this show and and carry you I'll let you introduce right. the show a little bit and and say yeah what can you be doing how do you run how we run different models for our clients that leaves them in a decision-making mode. You know, it gives them the peace of mind that even in a worst case scenario, we may still be, they may still be okay. Now, other times they won't be okay, meaning that they are going to have to make a decision. They're going to have to change. Right. Whether that change working, spending less, some other adjustment. Right. And that's where, but at least it leaves them in a decision-making mode. And they know the options that they have and they know what, what can I do to then be okay if I am running out of money in the long term based on conservative realistic assumptions or if we have these higher inflation rates for longer term, if we have a recession, um, especially in the year or when you're thinking about stopping working. It's it's a lot different when somebody's already in retirement. Um, but that's what we do at the estate planning team. We do those financial modeling, objective, unbiased analysis. And we are you're listening to Financial Food for Thought here this morning. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 between 9 and 10. We're an educational financial talk program here to give you helpful information, whether you're working or already in retirement, you're single, you're married, um, second marriages, um, and we help people through all different stages of their financial life. And we're traditional financial planners, numbers cruncher. We're also an Ohio registered fee-based fiduciary planning firm and we offer affordable hourly and affordable comprehensive retainer fees if you're someone who needs help with specific areas or if you need help through the analysis recommendations and help step-by-step through implementation we have both options and we do offer a free no obligation no pressure consultation for people who are interested in our services and what we do and I like to remind people We believe in coordination of advisors and talking and having everybody on the same page. We are not investment advisors. Our clients either do that on their own or they work already with an investment advisor. Or if they're looking to make a change or if they were doing it themselves and looking, we can recommend investment advisors that we've worked well with over the years. And 
for the free consultation that we offer. We do those by phone or we're happy to do those in person. And we actually do some preliminary analysis um, that's no cost or um, obligation so that you can see, one, how our process works. And then if you give us your information, we actually model in and show you a preliminary analysis saying, you know, based on your current thinking or even in the ballpark, are there opportunities? Are there problems you're not aware of? And it gives us a better sense of what we can do for you and what um, the cost would be and what your options are. And if you want to do some due diligence, you can also check out our ratings and reviews at Better Business Bureau, Google, or Angie's List. Our number for the free consultation, you can call or leave a message, is 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right. So, Kara, in the last few weeks on the shows, and you mentioned the podcast, We've been showing examples of how you would run a model, a financial model, a worst case scenario, assuming a higher inflation rate, perhaps than what you were if you built your financial model a number of years ago. Because we haven't had to deal with this rate of inflation for the last 40 years. So there weren't too many financial models that were created within the last five years that were assuming 8% or 7.9% inflation, right? So that's, that's fine, but it's also may not be realistic <laughs> to say that we're going to have that level of inflation forever. Mm-hmm. Although some of the talking heads will, will shock you into thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And and that we're and, or double digit or or do I hear the you know the H word you know hyperinflation which mm-hmm. is ridiculous you know I mean hyperinflation by the way is where you have consistently fifty percent increases in expenses monthly we're not quite there yet right um, now so but one of the things you could do is what what I said I was looking for were the new Fed dot plots you know mm-hmm. and again now remember the Federal right. Reserve they don't use consumer price index right they use the personal consumption expenditure similar but somewhat right. different and they do that the same way they have the headline PCE they also have core PCE now I know people get too upset when you use core PCE because that takes out energy and food. Right. So we'll look at the PCE, right? right? That has those in. And so now what is the medium? So as I said, so what is what is the Fed Reserve now as a committee? What's the medium call on what the inflation is going to be? So for 2022, they're saying 4.3%. Okay. Okay. Um for 2023, 2.7%. And for 2024, 2.3%. And then longer after that, they'll come back to their target of 2%. Now, I don't know how many people... Believe that? I don't believe that. You don't? No. Um, Not too many other people believe it either. I was going to say, that's not even... But but they're still saying that. They're still saying pre-Rona, we were there. And remember, we they were stymied to why inflation wasn't going above two percent. Yeah, but we still have supply chain issues. We have the but war all going up. Those right. were a result of the Rona, right? But the the war, the Russian Ukraine, that's a result conflict. of Putin, right? But I'm just saying it still impacts supply right. chains and but everything it, else. But is it going? Is it uh, is is it a big enough that it, it it's it switched the 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 ore carrier? On a dime. In other words, or are we going to revert back when we get through this Rona recession, the financial risk of the Rona And recession? I don't think people believe even this year it's 4.3%. I know every week I go to the grocery. I know you said out of that, but I mean, just the cost of goods. No, and it, it, with that, with, with, we're looking at the headline number here. Okay. Right? But they're saying by the end of the year, the average for the year. Okay, so you, they're saying it's going to go down then from right. what it is? So Fed Powell, he, Fed Chair Powell, is also saying what they're going to keep their eyes on is, is not the rolling 12 months, but the monthly month, the month to month. Okay. They're saying, you know, remember, I, I you, you weren't with we were, us last oh, week, right. Carrie, but I went over those monthly and, the, and that the fact that it was starting to come down monthly, then it, we had a re- right. reversion and it started going back up. So we're, they're looking for that to start coming down monthly. And then over the year, it would average out to 4.3. All right. The central, t- you know, and, and, but let's look at the range, Carrie, right? So, okay. so let's look at the high, low range that the Fed presidents came up with. Right. So um, this is for PCE inflation. So for the, for the 2022, the low end is 3.7 and the high is 5.5. 
So that's the range. Okay. Right? So if you were doing this at home, you may want to run it conservatively and say, I'm going to go with the high end of the range. The 5.5. The 5.5. If you're saying, I'm going to be, I'm bullish or whatever, I think it, it, this, I'm what's more transitory, you might want to go with the 3.7. Well, I think the, the beauty of what we do, it's your plan. So we can use whatever right. number you want. You know, we have some people that are want us to use... Um, a higher inflation rate for the next couple of years of seven, eight percent. Well, that's what this is going. So let's say you were doing that, but let's say you were using the Fed's rates. Okay. So for this year, you would let's. I'm going. I'm going to the high end of the range, right? Okay. So for 2022, it's 5.5 percent. For 2023, it's 3.5 percent. For 2024, it's three percent. And what's the ongoing number, Carrie? Two. Yeah. Now, again, <laughs> which is still in our plans, kind of if people didn't know day to day, we were anywhere even before Rona three to four percent. Now, uh, yeah. And I, I'm and I, again, it's your plan. Don't ask your neighbor. I mean, you got to do this stuff. But I would I'm thinking it's still going to be that five handle for a few years. Right. And I think you're going to be more comfortable in making a big ticket decision or a retirement decision if you've accounted for the higher end or more conservative number. Um, If it doesn't happen, great, then you have more in your pocket. But if I'm assuming a five and a half percent inflation and I'm still going to be okay based on my choices, I'm going to feel much better of turning in my notice for retirement or spending money, gifting or travel or home maintenance or that new home, whatever that is, if I've accounted for that. And what uh, also it's the same thing is when we have people build for growth rates is if somebody builds a seven to eight percent each and every year, they're going to be sad or they're not going to be very comfortable when we have times of a recession and they've counted on that seven or eight percent each and every year. Right. So you mentioned the, the the recession. I'm calling it the rust session, right, Carrie? Right. Um, and so that that lead that leads to the next question. So so one is what rate of inflation are you using? And and in previous week shows, uh, what I did was I, I said like how you could modify the four percent rule mm-hmm. where if you wanted to increase the cost of living adjustment or the rate of inflation. Remember, right. Benjamin used three and a half percent. In his model, in but the 4% you can, rule. But you can adjust that. The math is still, right. the formulas still work. Right. You tell your robot, hey, I, I don't want to assume 3.5%. I want to assume 5.5% for the next four years, then maybe back to 3.5%. And then you get a modified 4% rule. And so now it's no longer 4%. It's mm-hmm. going to be some reduced, but at least you know. It get, right. and I went over those numbers on last week's show, if you want to go back and catch those. But so so but but also, the the question is, do you believe the Fed? You know, I, I also said last week, you know, I think in order, Carrie, to be a successful central banker, mm-hmm. you have to become a good liar. Mm. Okay. Um, okay. If that's, if that's uh drone Paul, I'm not here. Carrie. Okay. Um, but, but so, so the idea is, okay, they, they, they have to give confidence. Okay. And, and that's fine. But, how much did they up their guesstimate for inflation? So previously, um, they were saying for 2022, they were saying 3.4%, now the medium, and now they're 4.3. So again, they did raise it a lot, but when they- Not enough. But when they got back to, but they didn't didn't raise their target of two. Right. You know, so, so whatever. Um, but you know, so you can use those. So then, then that leads to the next question: If we do have an extended war, God forbid, World War Three starts, right? Um, but we also have the oil prices not subsiding. You know, we saw a little break where oil went under a hundred dollar a barrel, and then the then the news out of Ukraine got worse and it went back right up to a hundred to hundred and ten. It's still fluctuating between a hundred and hundred ten dollars a barrel. Now, by, by the way. If, if, if oil stays consistently above $100, $110 a barrel, you know, release the fracking, carry. I mm-hmm. mean, the, 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 you know, the, the, the U.S. frackers will get busy. Right. All right. Because um, they can make money at that level. Um, now, um, so the question is, though, are we going to get a recession <laughs> that that is going to reach our shores? And all right. Well, what did Jay Powell say about that? Okay. Well, his quote was, the probability of a recession within the next year 
is not particularly elevated. Hmm. Does that sound a little he's bit like always, transitory? Yeah. He's always very careful on the use of his words, which are vague. Right. So I don't know. He doesn't think of it. Okay. Janet Yellen, you know, Treasury Secretary said, shit, no, ref- no, no recession coming. Okay. Goldman Sachs, of course, said that there's a 35% chance of a U.S. recession in 2023. Um Philip Palumbo of Palumbo Wealth Management um, said uh, ooh, a combination of U.S. debt levels, rising inflation, and what he called essentially World War III developing in front of our eyes will result in a recession at the end of this year, if not mm. 2023. Um, how about David Rosenberg, an economist? Um, recession may come as early as this summer. Uh, you know, the Fed hiking rates usually leads to bad things for the economy. The Fed's ability to guide the economy into a slowdown without generating a contraction is about a one in four bet historically. Um, oh, how about uh, Peter Morisi is another economist out of the University of Maryland. Uh, thanks to a failure to act while the economy was expanding at a red hot 6.9% in the fourth quarter, the Fed now faces a Sophie's choice, high interest rates that would instigate a recession or half measures, which culminated in 12% inflation when, you know, back in the 70s, the late 70s, when control was, you know, seated over to Volcker and then Volcker started slamming on the brakes. Um, so you, you get different opinions, right? Um, you know, there's some very, you know, uh, Mohammed El Arian, right? You know, a famous economist out of Cambridge, right? Um, he's just so down on the Fed. You know, the initial phase of the Fed's ongoing inflation mistake, an error that will likely be remembered as one of its biggest ever, started with last year's protracted mischaracterization and dismal uh, or dismissal of price increases as transitory. Although evidence of persistently high inflation dynamics was increasingly visible, the Fed repeated, dismissed these signs, uh, repeatedly dismissed these signs, failing most notably to heed the warnings expressed by firms on the one earnings call. That's the idea of was Powell just lying to, to keep you know people calm. Um, even today, officials are hindering the restoration of the Fed's badly damaged credibility by not explaining why they made this protracted mistake. I suspect the reason involves some combination of cognitive capture, loss of focus, unwillingness to admit error, and reluctance to abandon the new monetary Ooh, framework that quickly strong. became outdated and counterproductive. And yeah, that, remember, yeah, and that new this is yeah, this is Mohammed Lawyer, and he's not happy with the Fed. Now, what does he remember that new monetary framework? That was when, remember, Carrie, on the show, we were talking a lot about when when they when the Federal Reserve re, re, changed policies. Remember, they said the new policy was that they were going to let the inflation rate float above two percent. Right. right? You know, because it was so many years under two percent. They said we're going to let it float above two percent. Um, and then, but they never told us how high they were right. going to or I how think, long they were going to let. I it. think that's purposefully. Okay. Um, because if they say it and then they change their mind, people are going to not be happy. Yeah. Rather than being able to deliver a smooth landing for the U.S. economy, the Fed must now judge what constitutes the least harmful alternative. So there you go. So is so do you think there's a possibility of entrenched inflation for longer than what we were led to believe? And or do you think there's a good possibility that we could have a recession in the next 18 months. And if so, then it's time to build your plan R. We'll use that R this time for recession, right? And the idea is saying, do you know if you'll still be okay? In And, and it's the longevity, Carrie. It's not, right. you know, a recession this year or higher inflation this year doesn't necessarily affect your life this year i mean right. for some people it will right but but but, but do you know right but more importantly it, it it or maybe not more importantly but more realistically it affects the longevity of your plan right mm-hmm. in other words if you don't make any changes assuming things cost more it, it means you're going to run out of money quicker mm-hmm. now it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to run out of money before life it depends mm-hmm. on what your plan was saying before, right? How right. much cushion did you have in your plan before? Or if you never had a financial plan, I don't know how you know. Right. And maybe it's time to get one. 
All right. And regardless of that, that's the beauty of financial modeling. You may want to see a worst case scenario. I mean, one of our philosophies is hope for the best, plan for the worst. And you can model in. We have some people that through maintenance or whatever, they may want to see what I'm currently thinking and then a worst case scenario or other scenarios. And it can be a recession. It can be higher inflation rates. It can be a premature death of a spouse. It can be any of those things, you know, um, emergency or higher expense items, whatever that is. And our plans can do that. We can manipulate any of those variables. And then we look for opportunities on how to create that income you need for those expenses tax efficiently. And we've been helping people around Cleveland more than 35 years and offer a free, no obligation consultation. We have affordable hourly and comprehensive retainer fees available. And we only recommend our services if you can benefit from the type of planning we offer. And if you have questions about our services and just want to give us a call or send an email or want to schedule a free consultation, you can give us a call at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Also, our website is financialfoodforthought.com. The website, you can listen to our podcast. You can sign up for newsletters that also have alerts on things that are going on, as well as law, tax law changes or anything else, or classes when we get those going, um, That and listen to our podcast. That's financialfoodforthought.com. All right, listen to Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. And we've been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, we certainly have talked to our clients a lot about how, if you are concerned about an economic downturn, should you be changing your risk in terms of what you're investing your money in, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we don't manage assets for right. our clients. Um, but we do talk a lot about how much risk do you need to be okay. And that's one of the benefits of having a detailed financial plan done that you, and, and by the way, when you get to the detailed financial plan, at least how we do it for our clients, we may be using three or four different inflation rates, depending on the characteristic of the expense. Right. And, and that really comes into play when you break down the difference or the, the breakdown between mandatory spending like utilities and real estate taxes and groceries and discretionary spending like travel and gifting and things like that. Because a lot of times you can control the inflation effect on discretionary spending, right, where you can't always do that on mandatory living expenses. And then, of course, you have the health insurance, which is a whole wild card, right. you know, and, and what and what rates of inflation are you using for that particular expense? And I think what the plan does that's different, too, is provide you that unbiased objective analysis saying, are you taking on more risk than necessary? A lot of people don't know. And versus just going, oh, I'm moderately conservative to conservative, knowing really what your number is to be okay. And maybe you're taking on more risk in your portfolio than necessary. That's where the coordination of advisors, and that could be yourself playing that role or working with investment advisors. And then, But back to the, the allocation, right? In other words, so if you're saying, well, Mark, I want to reduce my investment risk, right? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, you got your growth and you got your fixed, right? So there's different ways that people look to do that. So one, let's say on the growth side. So maybe you're saying that I want, I got to get out of stocks, Carrie. Like maybe, you know, right. you know, so, okay. So what are your co- uh, non-correlated growth types of investments to stocks? Well, it could be real estate, right? Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people think that real estate will benefit in this rising interest rate because prices are going to go up, right? In other words, the housing market, well, one one forecaster was saying is going to have a 7% increase you know, in pricing this year. But then a lot of people are saying, well, hold on. There, the We may have a, a demand destruction here for new homes if the mortgage rates go up too high because of this right. inflation, right? So you take your pick there. Um, what's another non-correlated growth position to stocks? Um, it, it, I, I guess it could be... Uh, well, it may be, in other words, maybe be dividend paying stocks. In other words, you're going to go back and 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 say, I, I'm going to I'm going to try to own stocks that pay dividends. So even right. though that the the volatil the volatility may be swinging up and down, I'm just holding the stock to get that dividend. Now, you know, and and I'll just live off the dividend. Um, could be commodities, right? Okay. Um, gold has always been used as a uh, you know a, a 
deter, you know, a, a, to, to rising interest rates or economic downturns. Um, so, you know, a lot of people will go that direction. It could be other precious metals as well. Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, I don't know. But those are all things. Now, but what about if you're concerned that, hey, any of those things I just mentioned, though, do have principal risk, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, just, real estate, just look back to the Great Recession, right? right? Um, gold, uh, gold's gone up and down, and, you know, gold. And, 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 and again, one of the things I'm not too excited about gold is that it doesn't pay any interest or dividends, right? right. So you're just kind of holding on to it. And it's not very liquid either. Um, but, but what about alternatives on the fixed side? What if you're saying, Mark, I'm taking money out of the growth. I'm trying to get more fixed. Well, there again, you gotta be worried about bonds. Uh, I, I mean, you know, it's, it's funny right. because I think these, I think wall street bought feds Powell's, uh, <laughs> uh, language, you know, or, or, uh, no, or message on mm -hmm. Wednesday, Carrie, the S and P 500 right. was up ne nearly two and a quarter percent, but I'm not sure the bond market bought it. Right. right. You know, I mean, watch that, you know, that's that narrowing spread between the two year and the 10 year treasuries. And if that gets inverted, you know, that is a, as a, as a, as a, as a indication of an oncoming recession. So we'll be watching that closely, but so it'd be real difficult to buy bonds right now. So what are other fixed alternatives? Well, cash, well, cash is not paying that much, but I mean, put the money under the mattress, right. so, you know, you'll save principal. Um, the, the other one is, you know, fixed annuities. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I don't know why there isn't more talk about fixed annuities as an alternative, because you've got the principal protection right. and you've got the potential of a higher rate of return than just leaving your money in cash. Um, now, again, there's a liquidity issue, so you still can't, you know, fixed annuities should not replace your cash reserve in, by any measure, right? Or I also don't think, I think people make the mistake of any concept, it's an all or nothing. You also don't get 100% of the market right. and throw it in fixed annuities, which we see. Yeah. Uh, people buy things they don't understand really how they work, what's the intended purpose today and in the future, what are the positives and negatives because yeah. every product has it carrie there's hundreds could i say there's thousands of fixed annuities out probably. there probably at least i know multiple at least hundreds. hundreds right and, and and the interesting thing is they keep creating new ones they're, they're 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 dealing with america's demand for this option right there's america is screaming give me a fixed option that does better than cash or cds because cds aren't really yeah um, and now, as a matter of fact, you can have equity indexed fixed annuities that is based on the market. You can have multi-year guarantees, which kind of lurk just like a CD. You get a fixed rate every year for right. a set amount of time. Some have guaranteed income riders. Now, there may be a charge for that, but, you know, we can contractually get guaranteed income, even if the market isn't going up. Um, others, you know, there's other, you know, various fixed annuity companies have various options. One could be a gold option. In other right. words, if you're saying, I like the idea of gold, Mark, but I still know that gold can go down. Well, you can buy a fixed annuity that has a gold option. Right. You know, that means that you're not going to lose principal or a real estate option. I mean, so so there's lots of things out there. And again, I like your point, Carrie. Too often we see, you know, a client coming in and they decided to put, hopefully not their whole nest egg in an annuity, but whatever amount they decided that it was going to go into fixed annuity. And you know what? They bought one annuity. Mm. Now that was a really easy, you know, sell job by the annuity oh, salesman. And it, it is not easier, much work for him to do that. Probably not the best scenario. And he didn't do much work for that. I mean, he, he just sold you the sizzle. He just said, I, "This is the best fixed annuity I'm going to show you. Put all your money in this one fixed annuity, mm. or at least all the money you were going to put in the fixed annuities." But you know, is that really what? I mean, it'd be the same thing if you went to a stock guy and he, and you said, well, "Okay, I'm going to give you X amount of money to invest in stocks." Would you be very happy if he come back and said, "Oh yeah, I bought you one stock." And also, like any asset, I think people just put it away and don't look at it because you also want to manage the strategies every year. You can reallocate. Um, there's too many things people don't they don't know what they don't know, which is a reason to call the estate planning team. You can call us for questions or if you want to schedule a free consultation or scheduling those by phone or in person, whichever you prefer. And if you'd like, we can provide preliminary analysis based on your numbers. And that gives us a better idea of. Can we help you? And then what value or benefit we can provide you through the type of planning we offer? And remember, we're a fee-based Ohio registered fiduciary planner um, that helps people with all the areas of their financial life and really provides that unbiased objective analysis. And you can call 440-239-2090. That's 440 
239-2090 or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. All right. And also, it's now March Madness. We're in the heat of it right now, Carrie. Now, I'm, uh, I'm not talking about the college basketball, but did you see? Uh, we're taping the show on Friday morning. All, you know, But did you see some of the games? You don't watch the games. No. Oh, the games are so good last night. That's why I'm weary-eyed this morning. Oh, I thought it was because it was... St. Patty's Day, Mark. No, no, I'm done celebrating <laughs> that. You know, um, I yeah, but um, but anyways, okay. Um, I did play a lot of Irish music when you were gone did last you? week. Or, yeah, you probably would be yelling at me because I played so oh. much of it. Um, all right. So what was I talking about, Carrie? Oh, March Madness. All right, the mess at the IRS. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable, Carrie. But um, but before that too, the the thing I wanted to mention. Oh, April 1st is coming up, Carrie. Right? Okay. And that's a, a date that we try to bring to people's attention. If you have recently turned required minimum distribution age, which under the new Secure Act is now age 72, right? Mm-hmm. And so, of course, the the rule is if you when is your first required minimum distribution due? And the idea is it's it's due by April 1st. Of the year following the calendar year, you attain age 72. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, if you wait till April 1st, now, that's April 1st. It's not April, April 15th. 15th. We have caught many clients, who new clients who came into us, who they, you know, when they were getting close to that date, in their minds, they thought it was April 15th. No, you that's a bad April Fool's joke by the mm-hmm. government. It's April 1st. And that's coming up quicker. Yeah. A right. couple weeks. Now. Um, now, awesome. also, if you wait till April 1st, you're going to have to do a second RMD by December 31st of that year. Mm-hmm. So, in effect, you'll be doing two RMDs in one tax year, and that can get expensive right. tax-wise. So, that's why a lot of our clients don't wait till April 1st of the year following the calendar year they attain age 72. They take their first RMD in the calendar year they attain age 72. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, if you turn 72 in June... It means, you know, you don't have to wait till June to take it. You could take it in any month during that year. Okay. It's based on the balance of your IRA at the beginning of the year or December 31st of the previous year. So I think a lot of people understand that rule, but there's also rules that you might not have to do a required minimum distribution. In other words, if you are still working, let's say, and you've got a tax qualified plan at work, whether a 401k or 457 or 453 or, uh, you know, um, you know, one of the very, one of the qualified plans, right. That you, you can defer it as long as you're still working and contributing to the plan. Okay. So now, but then the rule becomes, well, when do you have to take that first? So, so the rule there is somewhat tricky. I don't know if it's tricky, but a lot of people, when we first meet, you know, are working with a client in this situation, they don't really understand the rule. Um, and so like for, for a 403B or 457 or a 401k plan, yeah, you can defer it if you're still working after age 72, unless Carrie, you're a 5% owner of the company. Okay. okay. So if you own the own more than five percent of the business you work for, you can't defer it. So even though you're you know you're over seventy two, you're still working. Maybe it's your own company. You're still contributing. You still have to take out a required minimum. Mm-hmm. So yes, in that year, you're not only contributing, you're taking money out. Right. It's kind of weird, but that you know I'm not here to you know defend the logic, simplicity, or fairness of the U.S. tax code here. Just talking about the rules. All right. Then what happens though? Then when you retire. Okay. Assuming now you're, you know, so you're trying. Okay. Well, so you want, if you want to see this, you want to get IRS publication 575. And I'm just going to read it verbatim, Carrie, right? Unless the rule for 5% owners applies, you must generally begin to receive distributions from your qualified retirement plan by April 1st of the year that follows the later of the calendar year in which you reach age 72. And this is the key part or the calendar year in which you retire from employment with the employer maintaining the plan. Okay. So even if you plan to retire on December 31st, right? Your first RMD would be that next April 1st. Okay. All right. Um so that is something that, you know, you have to watch as well. Um so those are things that you you want to um 
All right. So what was I talking about? The the mess of the IRS. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we've we've heard about this, and and now lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, you know, Democrats and Republicans, they're going after Chuck Reddick. Okay. Okay. They're sending him letters. They're saying, "What is going on? We just had, all we hear about is the confusion, numerous problems." Um, we've heard about the backlog. You heard about the backlog, Harry, right? We've heard about the back. I mean, the I backlog's mean, been yeah, six point two million unprocessed individual returns, two point four million unprocessed amended individual returns, two point eight million unprocessed business returns, four hundred twenty-seven thousand unprocessed amended business returns, four point seven five million pieces of unprocessed correspondence from taxpayers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Latest info, early February, the IRS had 23.5 million tax returns and pieces of correspondence awaiting manual processing, including paper returns filed as far back as April 2021. That's ridiculous. Nina E. Olson, I comment her, I I talk to her about all the time, or quote her, uh, founder and executive director of Center of Taxpayer Rights, uh, says the current problems at the IRS are the worst she's ever seen. And I thought they were trying to hire people, but I think I'm sure like everybody else... I sure, I'm sure it's yeah. like everybody else is having a hard time getting employees, they wanted, in all fairness. Yeah, they wanted to hire 10000 But I just heard Walmart wants to hire 50000 What does Amazon want to hire, 100000 I mean, I don't know if they're going to get the 10000 Um But it's also just not the paper filings, okay? Right. So, it, so because electronically they got it. You know, so, so, Carrie, right now, if an electronically filed tax return gets holed up for any reason, if the robot mm-hmm. kicks it out, right? It gets put into an error resolution queue, right? Okay. To be looked at by a human being. Well, last year, returns sat in that pile for an average of 75 days, Carrie, before they were even assigned to an IRS employee. Jeez. All right. Um, So there's, you know, big problems there. Now, the other thing, too, is the, the cost of compliance, right? And so... I, I think, I, Carrie, I seriously think Congress is going to have to do something. Oh, absolutely. They're, but they're, also, if you can't hire people. Right. But, I mean, they're going to have to start paying to to do everybody's tax return. Right. Um, taxpayer, you know, here's a lot of articles. Taxpayers waste billions of dollars on filing federal returns. Um, Congress has has to simplify the code or expand the IRS free filing program. That's That's the idea. That program, mm-hmm. by the way, started 20 years ago, Carrie. And the thing is, that's not even being used. That's what drives me crazy. You know, um, so remember this this free ta- free tax filing program where that's where the government, you know, tried to make an alliance with the popular tax software companies, right? right? The Turbo Taxes and HR Block, but also a lot of other companies. Um, and but you know, it, got, it they got so darn comp- uh, you know complicated. With all the stimulus checks and all the... And then the errors of letters that the, went out. the child and... tax credit, you know. So so with all that, um, like this year, TurboTax and H&R Block backed out of the free filing, you know. Now, there's still, I think, eight, you know, eight more there. Um, all right. But the... Um, all right. So this is an ongoing issue. Um, but the free filing, if you want to do that, Right now, the government says that 70% of all taxpayers qualify for free file carry. You know wow. how many actually do it? Less a lot than, less. Less than 3%. Okay. Um, now, why aren't they doing it? Well, maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't trust. I was going to say, I would think a lot of it, you don't trust the government. Do you think an error is ever going to be in your, or do you think it's ever going to go in your favor? Now, uh, now if you, now that for 2020, so the, there's an income cap, you know, who qualifies. And so the income cap for 2022 it's not too late to do it, right? If you haven't, you know, started your return yet and you're looking for a free file, um, it, the qualify is $73,000 of adjusted gross income. Okay. Okay. That's pretty, I mean. Yeah. Um, more now, people in qualify than I thought. So let's say you weren't going to file because you didn't have the software and you and so you free file, but you end up owing money, but you, you don't have the money to pay the taxes. Okay. What do you do? There's a form for that. Okay. Well, the IRS, <laughs> you know, suggests that you still timely file your return. Right. And pay what you can. And there is a form. You can do that, the installment agreement. Yeah. Look on IRS online installment agreement. Um, If the IRS accepts your plan, you can make the payments in monthly installments. You can also find out whether you are eligible to submit an offer in compromise, which lets you settle for your federal income tax debt for less than what you owe. 
Okay, you go. You can go to www.irs.gov/payments. All right. Um, if you do file or pay late, see if you can qualify for the penalty waiver under IRS's first-time abatement policy. IRS will okay a taxpayer's request for a waiver of the late filing and late payment penalties for filers who pay or arrange to pay the tax due and have been tax compliant for the past three years. So there you go. So I'm going to leave that. Okay. Um, Another thing about this time of year, Carrie, is that um, we talk about um, the IRMA adjustments, right? For Medicare. If people don't know, that's where if you make more, they charge you more for your Medicare B premiums and your Medicare D. Right. And one of the things, and I'm going to talk about this for the next couple of weeks. Um, and, and the idea is if you're, see, one of the things we talk about the state planning team is coordinate with your advisors. All right. And to do that, you, you know, that means your financial planner, your investment advisor, your tax preparer, your attorney, your insurance agent, that at appropriate times they're talking and corresponding with one another, working on a roundtable discussion on the problems you face and what solutions are available, but also making sure you, you, you look for opportunities in a very complicated tax code, right? So a lot of times at this time of year, you may have a CPA or a tax preparer who's saying that he's going to save you income taxes by having you file separately, married filing separately. Right. Okay. And especially that may be in Ohio tax savings, how the the tax right. rules work in Ohio. It may or may not be a big federal tax savings, but it could be a substantial Ohio tax savings. But what people don't necessarily say is how that may affect your Medicare premiums or the IRMA, the income-related right. monthly adjustment amounts, two years from now. Okay. Remember, because, for example, this year for 2022 – what the government, you know, what Medicare charges you for your Medicare B premiums and mm-hmm. or Medicare D premiums, if you're on that, is your tax return from 2020. Right. Okay. Um, now, there's a two-year gap there. Now, so a lot of times when we see a client, we know that they're going through that time frame. We flag this. And especially if, if it's one of the things, too, is why we always recommend that before your CPA or the enrolled agent, whatever, before they hit that button to electronically send it, ask them to give you a draft copy for your review just to make sure. And maybe that, and and a lot of our clients, we work with their CPAs and they provide that draft document and we look it over because we, you know, we know what we're looking for or we're still looking for opportunities. So, you know, and, and so that's an important piece of, you know, of of something you don't want to miss. Okay, because it's in a world where we have higher inflation and everything else, you know, if you can save some tax dollars along the way or some Medicare premiums, right, Gary? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I don't, Gary, do I have time to do this case? Uh, let's see if I get started. Um, so, this is a case that we were working on two years ago. Um, and the idea was, I'm just going to call them John and Mary. When we got their draft, the the CPA had, had said, we're going to file separately, and it'll save you about $3,200 in federal and Ohio taxes. Well, okay. that's nothing to sneeze at, right? Right. Correct? All right. Um, and on a separate basis, John's modified adjusted gross income. Remember, because for the Medicare thresholds, it's based on modified adjusted gross income, not adjusted gross income. You have okay. to add back your taxes and so on a separate basis, John's modified adjusted income was going to be ninety-seven thousand six fifty. Mary's was going to be one hundred eight thousand. So their joint modified adjusted gross income was two hundred five thousand seven ninety-two. But under you know now, if we look at though what the Medicare threshold is for this year, the threshold married filing you know is ninety-one thousand. In other words, if you're married filing separately. If you have modified just gross income over ninety one thousand, you pay the higher premium, mm-hmm. and and when if and it's substantially higher. For example, if you were married filing separately and filing and, and you were under the ninety one thousand, your Medicare B cost would be one hundred and seventy dollars and ten cents, okay, mm-hmm. a month. If you're married filing separately over ninety one thousand. Your Medicare B premium is five hundred and forty-four dollars and thirty cents. 
Ouch. Okay, your Medicare D premiums. That's where you, the IRMA adjustment says you have to pay more for your Medicare D. That additional amount, again, if you are married filing separately under 91000 modified, your additional Medicare D premium would be $12.40. If you're over married filing separately over 91000 your additional Medicare D premium monthly is $71.30. That's a monthly difference. Okay. So let's add that up. So that's a $615.60 a month difference for each of them. For per person. That's annually $14,774. So the the state tax savings may not be worth it. Now, when we did their, um, when, when, now, if they filed married jointly, yes, they are also going to have an IRMA adjustment, but it just gets them over the first threshold. Not jump from the first yeah, to the see, fourth. Yeah, see, when you're married filing separately, there are no in-between thresholds. That's right. what a lot of people don't understand. So now married filing jointly, they come in at um, 182000 which is above the first threshold of 180. Well, you know, what do they come in at? No, they come in at 205. They're above the first threshold of 182, but they're below the second threshold of 228. So now their they're, they're premiums are $365.10 each a month, or about 8762 So the difference, okay, so, no, okay, no, 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 no. They're, they're, they're combined, um, yeah, the savings is about 8762 a year. Okay. Yeah, so under the married filing separately, their Medicare premiums would have been 14774 Under married filing jointly, they'd be 6012 That's 8762 Now, they saved by married filing separately. They would have saved if they had done it about, what did I say, the... It was going to be three thousand two thirty, right? Even if they got interest on that for two years, that still let's give them seven percent interest a year. That's the savings with the rate of return on the savings would be about three thousand six ninety eight. So by stopping them from doing that, we actually saved them this year of of over five thousand dollars. That's being aware of all the options and opportunities, and looking at the impact of the choices that you make and how it f- affects different areas of your financial life. And the tax preparer wasn't wrong. Right. Now, they're what, looking at taxes. Now, when What do you think the tax preparer, in this client case, what do you think their response was? For the tax preparer? Yeah. I did what you told me to. They said, hey, I'm looking at net. We, they're looking at net taxes based on joint. Taxes. And they're looking at the federal and Ohio combined they said yeah we we're working on your income taxes we don't address your health insurance premiums and they're right that's true an irma adjustment is not a tax it's a health insurance but our clients who are being charged that because of their taxes it sure feels like one right well call the estate planning team for a free consultation at 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.